Tonight's the um, yard sign of the Rebetzin, and uh, they were speaking about how when we learn in Hasidus how Hashem wants a home in the lowest realms, the lowest realm, uh, there is a element in the home that is uniquely associated with the Jewish woman. And that is that Hashem doesn't just want a home, He wants to have a beautiful home. And uh, also in education, I spoke about how Jewish women sing to their children. They sing, they sing how Torah is the best merchandise. And, uh, and, and, and from the youngest age, you sing that song. And, and for years, no one knew the purpose of, of why you sing to a child. The child doesn't understand. There, there's a teaching of the Rashba. The Rashba says, this is one of the earliest commentaries in the Talmud. He says, a thousand reasons cannot negate one custom of old Jewish babis. Jewish babis doing something, move back. Respect. Recently, they've discovered that indeed, when the baby hears things at the youngest age, it affects their whole life. So, so you, while from your father you learn what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do, but the warmth and why you should even bother doing what you're supposed to do, and what it's about, and, what, what the, and, to, and to have some feeling of what you're doing, that comes from the mother. So regarding the... Um, the, uh, the words of the Torah, Hashem wants a home in the lowest realm. He doesn't just want a home, he wants a, a beautiful home. And that's, and that's very re- uh, relevant to what I wanted to share with you today about Parshish um, Mishpatim. In the beginning of Parshish Mishpatim, it says, these are the laws that you should place in front of them. These are the rules. Place these rules in front of them. So... The Talmud in the Irvin, page 54b, says, Rasha brings this down in Chumash, that when you, te- you might think, when you teach a student something, it's enough to tell them once, twice, three times, then you're done. Do it a couple times, and then you're done. But the words put in front of them means, Laharis Ipanim, that they should actually feel ownership of it. It shouldn't just be that they, they, they hear it and they hear it again. They should understand they should be their own thing. I always was mystified by the word shimush. You can learn the code of Jewish law. You can't be a rabbi, practicing rabbi, until you have shimush. You can't be, you heard the term rabbi and rav. What's a rav? A rav who paskans halacha. What makes you get that extra title? The additional title is through shimush. What is shimush? Shimush means you spend time in some rabbi's court, you hear the questions that, they, that they're asked, and you learn from the questions asked to that rabbi. What's, what's added by Shimush? At what point do you know you got the Shimush or not? What, in getting smicha, there's a, there, there's a, a um, smicha, there's a test. How do you know when you've gotten the Shimush? How much time is Shimush? What is Shimush? Well, someone explained to me recently, which makes a lot of sense. Shimush means you actually know not just what it says in the Code of Jewish Law, you actually know the why of what, the way this rabbi rules. What considerations he takes, uh, he has to, what, what items he takes into consideration he gives up when he gives a ruling. If you know the items, so that's why you could have shimush in one area and not have shimush in the other area. You don't know what the, what, what, what the considerations are being made when, when, when that halacha is being passed. The people always use this expression, ask her of. Ask Rav, what does that rabbi have that I don't have? I learned the code of Jewish law. What he has is the, the experience of other factors that, that, that play a role in this halacha. 
Like for example, yesterday we were learning how the halacha of something breaking on Shabbos, whether the glass is mukhtz or not. So a non-seasoned rabbi will say, oh, if it's broken pieces of glass, it is mukhtza, it is 100% mukhtza according to all opinions, and it can't be moved. A little more seasoned rabbi will say, one second, people are going to step on the glass, if little kids are running around, it's a danger. It says another part of the Code of Jewish Law that you let them move mukhtza if it's going to protect someone, let them even do other things. So if, if, if people are in danger, it doesn't matter if it's mukhtza. So, so shimush means that you, you actually don't have ownership of the idea, not just that you learned it, a couple of times you have ownership. There's a rule, the Chidam mentions, the rule is that if a, um, if a teacher uh, forgives his honor, his honor is forgiven. He is a, a, a rabbi who says, I forgive you for doing whatever you did to me. Allah is, he's allowed to forgive his honor. He's allowed to, he has his, his prestige and his uh, thing that Torah gives to him, and he's allowed to forgive his honor. The Chidah says that it only works if he understands the reasoning for the laws. If he doesn't know the reasoning for the laws, he just knows the laws, then he cannot forgive his honor. Why can't he forgive his honor? Because he doesn't own it, it's not his Torah. At what point does it become his own Torah when he knows the reasons? So if he doesn't know, the, he knows lots of laws. He doesn't know the reasons he can't forgive his honor because it's not his. At what point does it become his when he knows the logic of it? So that's what Rashi says at the beginning of the parasha. Put it in front of them, Hashem says. Make it theirs. That's why the next words in the Torah are, when you acquire a servant. Who acquires a servant? On the surface, they're talking about every Jew. The laws. If a Jew acquires a servant, here are the laws. But if you look at the grammar of the next sentence, it says, when you require a law, when you acquire a servant. It sounds like the same person who's teaching the Torah acquires a servant. And, the, and one explanation is, and indeed, that Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, and he's telling every teacher, that when you teach the Torah to people, Hashem told Moshe, these are the laws you should put in front of them. Make them understand it. Make them kisikta, when you acquire. Make them acquire it. Make it theirs. Make them own it. Simply also, when we teach Torah, it's, it's supposed to be in a way that the person owns the Torah. It's mine. I get it. It's not just I, I heard it, but it's mine. I know, I know exactly what to do. It's really amazing to have a uh, rabbi you, you call and they, they take the time to, make you, to allow you to own it. So there's, and, and you can get shimush. You know, you get shimush. You, you know what, what the mechanisms are. You, you understand how, of course, you can't say you have shimush just because of, uh, the, of the one phone call, but at least you know more of the issues and, 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 and uh, you have some more, more of a connection to the, to the subject. So that's the first explanation Rashi gives. Um, there's another explanation Rashi gives on the first words of the story portion. These are the laws you should place in front of them. Place in front of them, Rashi says, in front of the Jewish court, not in front of a non-Jewish court. You have to go to a Jewish court. Now I'll go to a non-Jewish court. And it says lots of the opposite of nice things about people who go to a non-Jewish court. It's, and it says that even if you have a case that you know the non-Jewish court has exactly the same opinion as the Jewish court, you have to go to the Jewish court, now I go to the non-Jewish court. Even in the same, it's identical. They know that everyone has the same rule for this, this law. You have to go specifically, oh, what's Machter? Yeah. We're coming soon to the month of Adar, month of Good Mazel. It says, if you, have, if you have a court case with a non-Jew, make the court case in the month of Adar. But in general, 
The Torah says, you have a court case, you're not supposed to go to, to a non-Jewish court, you're supposed to go to a Jewish court. Now, wh- wh- the second teaching that Rashi learns in this passage, that you have to go to a Jewish court, even if the non-Jews have the same rule, uh, and the first teaching of Rashi, that you should, when you teach Torah to someone, it's put in, in front of them, in front of the student, these two points emphasize different, different ideas. The, the, the second point, put the laws in front of them, in front of a Jewish court, what does that emphasize? Why does it matter that I have to go to a Jewish court if I know the non-Jewish court is going to say the same thing? The reason it matters is because what is Torah? Torah is the words of God. So I'm not going to court because I want to know what to do. The simple problem of going to a non-Jewish court is because by going to a non-Jewish court, you are extolling their idols. You're saying that their idols are important, their idols are, are wonderful, and therefore their judges are great judges. Well, let's say it would be like in our American system where there's no mention of other idols, just logic. They have a logical conclusion based upon their principles of law, and their principles lead them to the same conclusion as a Jewish court. What's wrong with going to non-Jewish court? What's wrong with going to non-Jewish court is, by going to non-Jewish court, you're saying that it's, I'm not looking for the instruction of God. I'm looking for just you know, a, a, a tool of what to do. But it has to be, we have to function according to what Hashem wants us to do, not according to just what works. So therefore, if you go to a Jewish court, we're going to a Jewish court, you're saying, I want the law of God, I want the will of Hashem. Uh, we, we say in our prayers in, uh, every morning, bless you Lord our God, King of the Universe, who gave us His Torah, one God's Torah. So the second teaching of Rashi, bring the laws in front of them, in front of the, in front of the Jewish court, that emphasizes it has to be God's Torah. The first point is it emphasizes that, you have to, when, you, that when you teach Torah to someone, make them understand it, that emphasizes a different point. That emphasizes that you want them to get it in their minds. That emphasizes the value of logic. It emphasizes the value of them understanding. It seems to be two very divergent points that Rashi is bringing here. One is, it doesn't matter if they have the same point. You want God's word. Therefore, go to the Jewish court. Emphasizes that you want God. The, sec- the first point Rashi says, put it in front of them, make them understand it. Emphasizes that you want it to be logical. You want it to make sense. So, but the rule is, Whenever you have, oh, I'll take you a seat. Whenever front row seats and back row seats are the same price, are you sure you want to get the back row seat? By the way, have a coffee. It's kosher today. It really is. Ask, does it taste kosher? Okay, so, so on the one hand, there's an emphasis by saying go to a Jewish court. The emphasis is it has to be God's Torah. On the other hand, by saying you have to and explain to your student until they get it, until it's theirs, emphasizes that you have to understand it. So you, you might think, what's the, what does it matter if I understand the Torah? Don't understand the Torah. Who cares? As long as it's God's Torah, it doesn't matter. So the Torah says, no, you have to understand. In fact, if you don't understand it, the Chidah says you can't. It's not considered your Torah. It's only considered your Torah once you understand it. But on the other hand, Rashi says that you have to go to Jewish court, emphasizing it has to be God's Torah. So it seems to be two very different points. One is that you have to understand it, your your logic matters, otherwise you don't own it. The other is that it has to be God's Torah, two very different points, but they're connected to each other. 
not 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 to divergent points to they're actually they're actually the same. They're they're they're, they're united. How so? In the first Rashi in this Pasha, Rashi says 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 in the beginning of the Pasha, and these are the laws, and these are the laws. What's the and? So Rashi says the letter Vav, which means and, is connecting this week's Torah portion with last week's Torah portion. So the letter Vav is saying, just like last week's Torah portion that we just read yesterday, the laws of the Ten Commandments come from Sinai. Also, next week's Torah portion, which talk about all the logical laws, the laws of damages, etc., the laws of two people find a talus how to how to decide who those that who the talus belongs to. All these logical laws also come from Mount Sinai. That's how Rashi explains the letter of it. It also comes from Sinai. There's another teaching that Rashi says is that um, the place, the, the end of last week's parsha, the very end, talks about the laws of the altar. So Rashi says the beginning next this week's portion talks about the laws of the Jewish court, the laws of of, of, um, of damages, etc. So Rashi says the reason that the altar, the laws of the altar, are placed next to the laws of the Jewish court is because the Jewish court has to be pla- has to the physical location of the Jewish court has to be in the temple, or more accurately, another, or another text says the physical location of the Jewish court has to be next to the altar. You want the Jewish court to be next to the altar. You want the Jewish court to be in, in, in the temple. No, physically. There was a Jewish court in the, in, in the temple. Oh, the high court. Right? The high court. The Sanhedrin was in the, was in the base of English. So, what's, what's the, um, what does this mean? What, what, what's Rashi saying? These laws come from Mount Sinai. What's the emphasis of Mount Sinai? They come from, from God. What's the emphasis of Mount Sinai? So, there were... There were people who studied Torah before the Torah was given. Everyone studied Torah. In fact, the Talmud says that we never stopped studying Torah. But as we learned last week, the main novelty of the giving of the Torah wasn't the information. The main novelty of the giving of the Torah was was possible to connect the spiritual to the physical. It's possible when you do a mitzvah, be able to transfer godly holy energy and bring that godly holy energy into the into the physical world. That's the power of the giving of the Torah. So before the giving of the Torah, when you were learning God's words, what was your main point? Your main interest was different to the way your main interest today. Your main interest today is you want to do the law the way God said so. If you have all the intent, all the reasons, the Kabbalistic reasons of tefillin, and you're thinking about them, you're actually putting those black boxes on your arm, you haven't done a mitzvah. On the other hand, if it's a random example, if it's two minutes before sundown, and you have no intent whatsoever. You just came out of one meaning. You're just trying to get them on your arm before sundown. You have a mitzvah. So the question is, why, why is that? So before the giving of the Torah, the main thing was the spiritual. The main thing was how to feel. Let's, say, let's talk about an example of, of, in our lives. About, let's say joy, happiness. It was great. Our, our guest from Panama, you went by the Satan Nagunim. Was that correct? You went by Satan Nagunim yesterday? Yes. So how are... Here is where King the King Mashiach is found. That's, a, that's what Ram, our visitor from Panama, was saying. So at, 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 it was great, great. No one will forget what he said. Amazing. Anyways, so so our, our how do you say Panamanian visitor? Panamic? <laughs> our Panamanian 
um, he was he got up by Satan Gunim for the first time and he started to dance. We never had a dancer at Satan Gunim, it's more like you know like singing slow songs, whatever. So dancing and smiling are all and singing are all expressions of joy. Does it really matter how you dance? You're dancing. Doesn't matter if you put this foot in front of that foot for the for, for the joy. If the point is your joy, doesn't matter how you sing. Doesn't matter how you dance. It, it, it may assist your feelings to 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 get up and dance, but the goal isn't that your face should to contort your face into a certain way so that you have actual smile. It, the point is that there's joy. Because there's joy, the joy spreads from your feeling in your heart to your face to your hands to your mouth until your whole body is, is consumed and, and, and uplifted with the joy. I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Okay, so, so before the giving of the Torah, the point was the experience. The point was you'll feel your feelings. And therefore, you didn't want to put on film two minutes before the sundown. That didn't matter to you. You just wanted to get the, the spiritual meaning of film, let's say, which is to dedicate your heart and mind to Hashem. And that was the emphasis. Just dedicate your, And how much are you dedicating your heart and mind to Hashem? Are you really dedicating? Is it really sincere? The goal was the experience. But after the giving of the Torah, Hashem is real. Hashem is not limited by any parameter whatsoever. Hashem is not limited by... Uh, by the spiritual or by the physical. Hashem is not relegated to either of those two worlds. Hashem, Hashem is infinite. And Hashem's desire actually com- says we need to combine both things. So after the giving of the Torah, Hashem desires the most mitzvahs, 99% of mitzvahs, are physical. Now, the emphasis now is not our experience. Before the giving of the Torah, the emphasis was, how do you feel? How do you feel, Avraham Avinu? What's going on? Are you connecting to this world, to that world? What's going on in your experience? What, what, what are you connecting to? What's, what's going on? What spiritual level are you at right now? That, that's where Avraham Avinu was, he, he, the goal was experience. The goal after giving the Torah was that we should do, we should bring Hashem's holiness to the physical world. The emphasis became on the physical, do what God wants us to do, to bring the holiness of Hashem to the physical world. To make a home for Hashem in the physical world, we have to do this amidst the physical so on the one hand, there is something new. That, that you, yes, you have a mitzvah. You put in the film two minutes before, before sundown. You have a mitzvah. You've done the main thing. You've brought the Shem's Kedusha to the physical world. On the other hand, as we, as, as we began today, Hashem doesn't just want to have a home. He wants to have a beautiful home. He wants us just not to physically show up and do a mitzvah. He wants us to be alive in the mitzvah. And that's why in the very same Rashi, where Rashi says that um, you have to give your students the ability to understand the Torah, he says, go to the Jewish court, not to a non-Jewish court. What, what Rashi is emphasizing is, you shouldn't enjoy the Torah because it makes sense to you only. You should enjoy God's words. In other words, on the one hand, Rashi is saying, go to a Jewish, go to a Jewish court, emphasizing, doesn't matter if the non-Jewish court says the same thing, you want the words of God. On the other Rashi says I, says, I want you to understand the words of God. I want you to have excitement on what Hashem tells you to do. I want you to, to, to personalize and, and, and feel the words of Hashem. I want you to put the Jewish court next to the altar. I want you to put the Jewish court in, in, in the temple. On the one hand, there has to be a court using their mind, using their logic. It has to make sense. On the other hand, what are they supposed to understand? It has to be God's words. They have to bring the holiness of Hashem into their minds. That's, that's the word. They have to bring, they have to have an intimacy with Hashem 
in intimacy with Hashem by bringing God's words into, to the, they can understand God's words. It's not that Hashem wants them to, um, to just understand the logic of Torah. Hashem wants them to have, the, the Jewish core has to be in the temple. It's not about your understanding of it. It's about God's words. On the, on the other hand, there has to be a Jewish court in the temple. There has to be something, there has to be people to understand the Torah. So, Hashem wants, on the one hand, He wants a home. On the other hand, He wants a beautiful home. Hashem wants us to physically do the mitzvahs. Most mitzvahs are physical. On the other hand, Hashem wants us to understand the Torah. Hashem wants us to take His words, and it should be something that becomes part of the way we look at the world. It should become our own understanding. You walk into a, a museum, and uh, you see a beautiful art. So, um, so you look, wow, it's amazing. If you say, wow, it's amazing out loud, some other guy who's a connoisseur of art says, throw the bum out, he doesn't get it. Because if you really get it, you don't talk about it. You're, 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 you're in it. When you look at the art, at first, you're trying to get, grab the art. What is, it, what, what is that? What is that? What are those colors? When you get into it, and, you, and, and you're transfixed at looking at the portrait, you've been now taken by the art. The art's taking you somewhere. Hashem wants us to, on the one hand, to, to be transfixed in connecting to Him. We want to, we want to connect to Hashem. <clears throat> on the other hand, Hashem wants us to understand His words in a way that makes sense to us. So that's why these words of Rashi... Put it in front of, you have a question, go to Jewish court. When you teach Torah, make, it, make the students understand the Torah. They're not two divergent points, they're the same. Hashem wants us to take His godly wisdom, and His godly wisdom should become our understanding. We shouldn't want to understand because, because we want to understand it, because it makes, because, because it's enjoyable, because it's logical. We should want to have intimacy with Hashem, and therefore bring His Torah into our minds. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Uh, it's not about someone wrote an article. Rabbi Khan loved this. He was he, Rabbi Khan would, would would laugh um, at uh, interesting things. He, he would laugh at things that he thought were like ridiculous uh, ideas. That that that, that uh, we, this guy wrote an article. He says, remember like today, Rabbi saying this story. He's saying this guy wrote this article, and he was I thought this was the most the most ludicrous thing. The guy says, don't study Torah. Because you want to know philosophy, because you want inspiration. Torah is higher than that. Don't study Torah because you want to know the laws we're supposed to do. Torah is higher than that. Don't study Torah because you want to give your children ethics. Torah is higher than that. Study Torah because it's a fantastic, amazing intellectual pursuit. <laughs> that, that's, what that, that's what the guy wrote in the article. So Rabiel's like, he came like so close and he took a right turn into a brick wall. It, it, the, the, the idea of studying Torah means you want to connect to Hashem's to Hashem. You want you want God. You want you want Hashem. And how do you get Hashem? By bringing it down into your mind, into your heart. You get Hashem's wisdom in a, in, in a way that you understand and becomes part of you. That's the idea of having a beautiful home for Hashem. That you want and when it's a home for Hashem, it's God's words. And then they become part of you. We do a mitzvah. It shouldn't just be you do a mitzvah because you have to with two minutes before sundown. It's not enough just I want to show up do the mitzvah. Hashem wants us that we do a mitzvah. There should be a life and passion and be alive in the mitzvah. But why are you alive and passionate? Because it's God's mitzvah. Because we're excited about the mitzvah of Hashem. That the, the meaning of the mitzvah 
is something that Hashem gave us that, that we care about. We care about Hashem's mitzvah. We're alive because we want to cause nachas ruch to Hashem. So that's the meaning of Eil Mishpatim, that this parsha follows the parsha before, that the Sanhedrin is, 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 in the, is in the temple, that Hashem wants that, that our understanding, our appreciation should be, our excitement should be about His words, about His mitzvahs. To bring His laws and His mitzvahs into our own understanding and make it part of us. And that's what I wanted to share today. Any questions or comments or criticism? It's film. It's a mitzvah. It's still a mitzvah. If you just have concentration, but you don't actually put it on, there's no mitzvah is done. You can't say a bracha. If you put them physically on, you could say a bracha because it's a mitzvah. If you think about the deeper meaning of film, think about the meaning of film, the meaning of matzah. Don't eat the, but you don't eat the matzah, no mitzvah is done. Right. The box of matzah is the mitzvah. Eating the, eating the box is the mitzvah. Well, maybe not the box. You know, it tastes a little bit. The matzah and the box taste very similar. But, so that's the first point we're mentioning. That we emphasize that Hashem wants, we're doing, making a home for Hashem in the physical world. Hashem, Hashem is not limited by the spiritual. He wants us to be in the physical. The physical mitzvahs, are majority of them are physical mitzvahs. One is making a home for God, one is making a beautiful home for God. Hashem wants us to, not just to, to, to show up, but there should be life in what we're doing. It's only obvious if you're not busy two minutes before sundown. <laughs>